0: Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You, and you can follow us on Facebook, Israel Team Advocates International, you can follow us on our website, israelteam.org. You can follow us on Twitter. You can read my weekly articles, blogs, in the Times of Israel. Just Google my name, Aaron David Free, spelled F-R-U-H. And you can pull up the archives of my weekly blogs in the Times of Israel where I write about uh, what is happening in the land of Israel, what is happening in America with the uh, exponential growth of anti-Semitism. So you can follow us and learn as we all grow together in our understanding of Israel and God's call upon the Jewish people. So today we're going to talk about something very, very troubling to me, and it is the rise of paganism in America. And we're going to see today how that rise of paganism is paralleled with the rise of anti-Semitism within our shores. And in 1990, scholars from Trinity College surveyed Americans to find out how many practice some form of pagan religion. The numbers were really, really small. About 8,000 people said they practiced some form of paganism. But the researchers asked again in 2008, And this time, the number swelled to 340,000 Americans who said they practiced paganism. A decade later, the Pew survey posed the same question, and here's what they found. 1.5 million Americans professed an array of pagan persuasions from Wicca to the old Norse paganism or Viking lore that basically said that, you know, the Viking race was a superior race. It was the same uh, pagan ideology that Nazi Germany adopted. They adopted uh, the Norse uh, paganism to promote the idea of the pure Aryan race. And so right now... Paganism is one of the nation's fastest-growing persuasions. Even in the U.S. military, paganism is growing. Sergeant Drake, he's a U.S. Army sergeant. Drake's uh, scholar, he said uh, that he said that the growth of paganism is understanding across the board as Norse. Pagans return to distinguishable religious practices. So he's one that embraces the old Norse uh, paganism, you know, the god Thor, and so on. So he's saying this is growing by leaps and bounds within the U.S. military. In fact, the Pentagon has recently come out saying that they're very concerned about these old Norse religions that are growing in the U.S. military. So when the Romans were under siege, they would cry, the barbarians are at the gates. And for American Christians, this may be more true than we would like to imagine. Perhaps a better way to put into perspective uh, is of what is happening in the growing ranks of Christian nationalists is found in the statement, we have met the enemy and the enemy is us. And I had a unique experience of growing up in a church that was not given over to political trappings. Uh, and they they never held up a banner that said, you know, we're a political organization, we're a political church. Really their banner, that my home church where I grew up, was whosoever will. And because of that was their spirit, and they, they preached Jesus. And that was just the simple message that I grew up on. And I remember in the 19, late 1960s, as a kid, the Jesus movement exploded. I, I was raised in California, and uh, the hippies just started flooding our church, much like the movie The Jesus uh, Revolution. And they started flooding our church that came out of the mountains of Santa Cruz, California, where I lived. Our church went from around 200 people to over a thousand people overnight and most of the people that were coming in were young people I mean long hair and uh, the whole the whole issue uh, driving their their buses where they were living into our church parking lot and we used to have artists like Keith Green. Uh, we had Leon Patillo that came to faith at our church He came out of the group Santana began to write Christian music. Our church did medical humanitarian projects all over the world. In fact, my Sunday school teacher was Don Stevens, who got the burden for you know reaching the underserved at our, in our congregation and went on to establish Mercy Ships International. And so I can remember, I can't remember a political sermon of any kind growing up. And I would later go into ministry myself, become a pastor, and I wanted to emulate the same spirit of love, acceptance, and forgiveness I found in my home church growing up. And every Sunday morning uh, from the pulpit, whoever was the president at that time, I would pray for the president. And when Bill Clinton was um, elected as the U.S. president, every Sunday morning I would get up and before I would preach, I'd say, today we're going to pray for for our civic leaders, for the mayor of our city, and for our president. So I'd pray for Bill and Hillary and for uh, their daughter, Chelsea. And then when uh, President Obama became president, I would pray for Barack and Michelle Obama, uh, Malia and Sasha, their daughters, and we would lift them up in prayer. You know that a lot of people got angry with me when I prayed for the leaders that they did not agree with. And I would say, listen, this is our call as Christians. It says in 1 Timothy 2, 2, pray for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And I really think it's time uh, that the church returns to the simple Sermon on the Mount, which is not so simple after all. It's probably the greatest sermon ever preached. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And that's what we are called to be as Christians. And my concern is that there is a rise of Christian nationalism in America where American Christians are doing everything to compromise their faith in order to reach their political objectives. And what is being preached today in pulpits across America, many of them, is not the gospel. It's a political agenda. And I'm concerned about that. And we're going to see in a moment that the same thing happened within Nazi Germany, that the German Christians embraced the Norse ideology of a master race of a pure Aryan race that was being fomented by the Nazis in control. They compromised their faith in order to reach their political ends to make Germany the greatest uh, country on the planet. And so, I remember as a young pastor, there was an issue in in the city where I pastored that the mayor, in order to try to stabilize the economy of the city, decided to bring in gambling to the city, and, and on our waterways, and uh, people were angry. There were rallies in churches. There were petitions being signed against the mayor, and so I said, you know, if I'm going to be a, a true Christian here. I'm not going to hate uh, the mayor. I'm going to pray for the mayor, and I'm going to meet with the mayor. And so there were a lot of people asking me to come to these rallies and sign petitions, and I said, you know, I don't agree with gambling, but let me go meet with the mayor. I'd never met him before, and so a friend of mine went down. We invited him to lunch, went down to the city hall and took him out to lunch, And in the middle of the lunch, he turned to us and said, I suppose you two are here to talk to me about the issue of gambling and there's nothing you can do about it. I've made up my mind. The city is in financial trouble and we need gambling to save us from financial financial crisis. And so we said, you know, we're not here to talk to you about gambling. We're here to talk to you about how can we pray for your family, Mr. Mayor? How can we minister to you? We know you're under attack right now. How can we help you and pray for you? Tears began to come down his face. And he said, you know, I've got this family need and that family need. And so we prayed for him at lunch. And after we prayed, he looked at us and said, can you guys come back next week and talk to me about what are your views on the gambling issue? And so we said, yes, we came back next week. We had lunch lunch. And he told us all of his reasons, and we said, sir, you know, we we support you as our mayor. We stand with you. We don't like the issue of gambling, but we're going to pray for you as our mayor, and we want to ask you one question. As you lay your head on your pillow tonight, ask yourself this question, what will gambling do for our city in five years? Just think about that, mayor. And we said goodbye. We prayed for him again. Three days later, my secretary called me and said, there's a man in uh, the lobby, the office lobby, and he wants to meet with you, and I think he's the mayor. So he came to my office. He was disheveled, and uh, he said, Aaron, I haven't slept for three days. And that question you asked me, I have to say you were right. And I've changed my mind, and there was a a, a vote in our city. 70% of the people wanted gambling. Uh, A referendum and he said I've changed my mind it's political suicide I'll probably be voted out of office but um, I've changed my mind the next day in the paper the headline was uh, the mayor changes his his view on gambling and you know what because we made that godly appeal gambling has never come to our city. When I was at the church, my 20th year anniversary, do you know who one of the speakers was? Uh, that gentleman who was no longer the mayor. He, in fact, he, by the way, he ran again for office and he uh, won again. He was a mayor for 12 years. And he came to my 20th anniversary celebration and he spoke and said it was because of that lunch that uh, I changed my mind. And so Aaron made a godly appeal to me. And by that appeal, the city was saved from this horrendous issue of gambling. Uh, At the same time, there was a convenience store right next to our church. And there were people that came to my office and they said, we want you to sign this petition because the convenience store is selling pornography. And there's a school nearby and, and, pastor, you've got to stand with us against this store. And I said, well, you know what? I come to the church every morning at 6.30 for prayer. And I stop by that store and I get my cup of coffee. I talk to the manager. I know him. He's a friend. Let me go talk to him. So I went over and I said, you know, there's people picketing outside your store. You're sort of in trouble here. Is there a way that you can remove this from the store? And he said, Aaron, I don't like this at all. I, I wish we could. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to call the, my district manager and see if I can take this down. And you know what? I went by the next morning and uh, he said, I got permission. We've removed it all from the store. And as a matter of fact, that convenience store nationwide, because they saw his profits go up, because I told our church and many other churches, this man made the right choice, the right decision. Buy your milk and your uh, gas from this store, and our whole congregation began to go there to buy their gasoline. His profits went up, and the entire convenience store nationwide said, "We're we're tired of running these magazines in our store, and they removed them nationwide." And it was so. It was a loving, godly appeal, and so that's what we're called to be as Christians. That's the gospel. We are to be salt and light of Jesus in our community. One one popular Christian right speaker was Donald Trump Jr. He recently spoke to a political rally for young conservative Christians and he encouraged them to disobey the sermon on the mount. He said and this is a direct quote, "We've turned the other cheek and I understand sort of the biblical reference. I understand the mentality." but it's gotten us nothing, okay? It's gotten us nothing while we've seeded ground in every major institution in our country. So he was basically saying, reject the Sermon on the Mount. And so for me, I'm very concerned, uh, beloved, about what is happening in the American church. And we're gonna see when we come back from the break uh, an article from Baptist News Global that's talking about uh, the rise of Christian nationalism, the the rise of white supremacy, the why wi- the w- rise of hate groups that are attaching themselves to Christian churches. We're going to see how, in pulpits, many of them across America today, a, a gospel is being preached other than the true gospel, and there is a white supremacy, uh, almost a Arianism, that's being promoted in pulpit today. And I fear for this. So when we come back from the break, we're going to jump into this, this deep discussion. See you on the other side. Hi, I'm Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates. There's an alarming decline today in the support of Israel among U.S. evangelical millennials ages 18 to 29. A May 2021 survey administered by the Barna Group shows that between 2018 and 2021, favorable support for Israel has been cut in half from 75% to 35% among evangelical millennials In the United States, if this trend continues, evangelicalism will be anti-Israel in just a few short years. And remember that young Christians today will be the leaders of tomorrow. Israel team recently conducted interviews with students at a major evangelical university concerning their understanding of the Holocaust. The answers were troubling to the first question. What was the Holocaust? Half of the students did not know. To the second question, who was Adolf Hitler? Again, only half of the students had knowledge enough to connect him to the Jewish genocide. In the remaining questions, we found a surprising, breathtaking, really, lack of historical understanding of the murder of six million Jews during the Holocaust. This example is indicative of a much larger problem. The study of the Holocaust is not prioritized in Christian primary, secondary, and higher education. And there's so much more that we can do. You can help Israel Team today by going to IsraelTeam.org and clicking the donate button and your tax-deductible gift today will help us in pushing back against this growing narrative of anti-israelism within the evangelical millennial community so go to israelteam.org and stand with us today we're building a bridge for the coming generation and it's so important that we build that bridge so help us today at israelteam.org that's israelteam.org This is Israel and you, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel and you. And we're talking about the rise of paganism in America, especially the old Norse paganism. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's keep in mind that uh, history proves that when uh, the Christian church uh, adopts these pagan ideologies, it uh, never goes well for a country. For example, the KKK flourished in America within the Christian church. Think about South Africa, where uh, the South African government adopted the uh, the ideology of apartheid, separation. And it was a racial uh, dogma that they adopted. And this was a Christian nation. I mean, the South Africans... Uh, they, 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 it was a Christian nation. And so what happens when a church and state merge like it did in, in Nazi Germany? And this article, uh, comes from the Baptist news global. And the title of it is what happens when church and state merge, look to Nazi Germany for answers. This is January 30th, 2023 And I'll read you a couple of quotes. The potential consequences of a merger of church and state sought by Christian nationalists are frighteningly apparent in the history of Nazi Germany, according to Dietrich Bonhoeffer expert John Matthews. Matthews, a Lutheran minister and member of the International Bonhoeffer Society, spoke during a recent World Without Genocide webinar. Adolf Hitler's Third Reich fused authoritarian nationalism with a Christianity complicit in delusions of racial, moral, and global superiority, he said, warning the symbolism and rhetoric of that time echoes through modern-day Christian nationalism. This dangerous phenomenon we're talking about has reared its ugly head in the United States more dramatically in the last few years, but do we recognize what is really happening? Matthews was one of four panelists for Christian Nationalism and the Threat to Human Rights, a January 25th webinar. He was joined by Holly Holman, General Counsel and Associate Executive Director of Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. Many Germans had difficulty believing hardline Nazi policies would continue once Hitler achieved power, let alone descend into genocide, Matthew said. They failed to understand that those who use intimidation and violence to achieve power also use it to stay in power. The German version of Christian nationalism also morphed into Nazi flags, adorning the exteriors and interiors of churches and the theological premise that Hitler and the Third Reich existed to return Germany to its God-intended dominance over all nations and races. And keep in mind the swastika on the German flag Uh, was an old, it's 5,000 years old. It was from uh, the worship of Norse gods 500 years before. And so the article goes on to say it was a green light for evil. He said, once the state has the unconditional endorsement of the religious establishment, nothing else off limits. Anything is acceptable because we know the phrase, God is on our side. The seeds of this evil can be seen throughout world history, he said, including the mistreatment of black, Hispanics, and indigenous people in the United States, all involving gross human rights violations, largely empowered by the tragic melding of church and state that is Christian nationalism. And I've heard uh, Christian nationalists uh, just in the last few months calling for violence against the government and We're living in very dangerous days. And I would encourage you, if you're in a congregation where the pastor has uh, crossed the line into preaching another gospel, other than the gospel in the Bible, uh, and he's preaching a political ideology, um, you might want to appeal to your pastor and say, you know, pastor, I don't know where you're headed with this, but you seem like you're becoming a Christian nationalist. And so German churches willingly adopted the racist Norse pagan ideology of the, um, the Nazis. So the same thing is sort of happening today in America. Uh, this is a Brookings Institute um, survey Uh, The the title of this is White Nationalism Remains Major Concerns in America. This is uh, dated March 30th, just a few days ago, 2023. And this survey uh, says the recently released PRRI Brookings Christian Nationalism Survey of over 6,000 Americans makes clear that Christian nationalism is a growing threat in America— as 1 in 10 Americans are defined as adherents to Christian nationalism according to the study's multidimensional measurement scale, with another 19% who are supportive of multiple aspects of Christian nationalism defined as sympathizers. Christian nationalism values are becoming ingrained in mainstream culture. The New Christian Nationalism Survey makes clear that there is an underlying ideology of racism among the Christian nationalist movement that connects them to white nationalist groups who rely on old and new tropes to promote white supremacy. Americans who are supportive of Christian nationalism generally hold less favorable views of immigrants, racial and ethnic minorities, and are less likely to believe that racism remains a problem in American society. Among other findings, roughly 65% of white Christian nationalism sympathizers and adherents disagree with white supremacy is still a major problem in the U.S. today, twice as high as Americans overall in the survey. Similarly, 66% of white Christian nationalism sympathizers and 81% of adherents believe in replacement theory the view that immigrants are invading our country and replacing our cultural and ethnic background. And remember, <clears throat> this is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. And if we don't learn from history, history has a way of repeating itself. And we saw this in Nazi Germany. The same kind of sympathy uh, for uh, you know establishing an Aryan race where there would be no Jews, Uh, in that country and so the Jews were annihilated going back to this Brookings Institute survey. They say that extremism and violence remain tools of white supremacists employ to prevent social progress in any social programs that may enhance the quality of life for communities of color. The increase of violence raises the threat level to American democracy as we know it. In fact, the PRI... Brookings Christian Nationalism Survey found that 16% of Americans agree with the statement because things have gotten so far off track, true American patriots may have to resort to violence in order to save our country. Think about that a second. This is what Christian nationalists are saying. Uh, 16% of Americans agree with that statement because things have gotten so far off track. True American patriots may have to resort to violence in order to save our country. And the article says, given social desirability, challenges that likely increase the likelihood... Of disagreement among respondents, this is a high percentage of the public who support political violence. A much higher, 40% of Christian nationalism adherents agree with this statement about patriots resorting to violence to save America. So that's why I say we should really be concerned about these growing numbers of Christians that are believing in this uh, replacement ideology that, uh, white Christians are being replaced in this country. And so we have to rise up and fight, uh, against the changes that are going on. We want to make America a Christian nation forcibly. And remember, uh, not very long ago in, in 19, in the 1960s, uh, that, uh, Leaders, pastors, all across uh, America, would stand up because of the threat what what they called white genocide, and you know they proclaimed that uh, we we must be successful in in uh, segregation and oppose uh, the African American community in every way that we can. And these were Christian leaders fomenting this kind of ideology that's not too far in our distant past and so whenever you merge um, Christianity with these uh, ideologies that are pagan it never goes well for those minorities in a community African Americans Hispanics and uh, the Jewish people and so we're going to pray as we close out the program today and I'm going to have to catch this next time uh, and we'll talk about how this this whole Norse ideology is growing in America. But I want to breathe the prayer. Lord, I thank you for the listening audience today. I pray that you'd make us uh, aware of what is happening today. That God, we would desire to go back to the, the simple gospel the Sermon on the Mount, that we as Christians would pray for all those in authority, that we would stand for truth, yes, but we would not hate and we would not ever be given to violence. We remember what happened to Peter when he picked up the sword and Jesus said, uh, put your sword away. So I pray for that we would walk in peace in every way. We'll see you next time on Israel and You.